Right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be starting a brand new series this morning entitled Don't Limit God. And so, um, stay tuned with us. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And if you'd like to give and support our ministry, uh, so we can continue to bring you to you around the world. Uh, we appreciate you doing so, and you can get all that information on our website at lighthouseception.org. Okay. Um, without, so without anything further said, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. Like I said, we're going to be starting a brand new teaching series this morning talk, entitled, Don't Limit God. Now, I get this title, as some of you may know, and many of you may know, from Andrew Womack. Andrew Womack has a teaching series, a book, entitled, Don't Limit God. And it has been re very revolutionary in both of our lives uh, here and in our church and whatnot. So, a lot, so some of what I'm going to share here, especially in the beginning, in the first session, uh, I'm going to be piggybacking on some of the things that Andrew has said in his teachings and some of the verses that he used. And I'm just going to have my own flavor to it and uh, whatnot. Uh, and then I did get a little deeper into the message. I'm going to bring my own stuff into the, into the mix. Okay. So let me just start off by saying something very huge. God is huge. God is bigger, wiser, richer, able to do more than you can ever imagine. God is huge. The creator of the universe, the creator of the cosmos... The creator of all things, his intelligence, his ability, his wisdom, and his love is greater than you can even imagine with your wildest imagination. You know, it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. I'm not so concerned about the context right now in this, 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 this verse from 1 Kings. But no one can contain God. He is huge. Okay? The universe, excuse me, alone cannot contain God. God is infinite. And everything he created, including you and me, Everything he created and all that put together is finite. Okay, it's limited. We are limited at times in many different ways, but God is not limited. We, finite man, mankind, represents an infinite God. If you're born again and you're finite in your flesh, but you being born again, containing the spirit of the living God, you represent an infinite God. Everywhere you go, everything you say and do. Within the, these jars of clay, this, this temple that's been bought with a price, being a finite man or woman, and being born again of the spirit of God, you represent an infinite God, no matter who you are, and where you go, 
where you live. With God, nothing is impossible. And many of us have, I'm going to go back to our main slide, have limited God in our lives, in our marriages, in our churches, in our ministry, in our finances, in our health, in so many different areas. And my charge to you with this series is that we, the church of the living God, need to take the limits off God. Okay, let's go back to this text. Oh, actually, I haven't done it here yet. Excuse me. Because it says in, in uh, Psalm 78, 41, Yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. This Psalm, Psalm 78, is in context talking about Israel when they were supposed to go to the Promised Land. When Moses sent out the spies, ten of them came back with the report because they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes. They weren't grasshoppers. They were the children of Israel. They were the children of, of God. They were the children of promise. But they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes. And they said again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One. You know, when you limit God, you're tempting Him. Okay? So many times we have limited God. So many times God was frustrated with the nation of Israel because they limited him. So many times Jesus was frustrated with the disciples because they limited them, him in their lack of faith. We see different scenarios, different generations. Different eras in the sense. But again and again, they tempted God and they limited Israel. And I, I can say this about my own life, and I, I'm, I know all of you all can say this about your life. Again and again, we have all tempted God and limited Him in our lives and in our ministries. That's not a put down, but that is, as Paul was saying in Thessalonians, I come to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Okay. I'm not here mocking people. I'm here to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. We limit what God can do by our small thinking because God is bigger. I believe God has more for us than most of us are experiencing in our lives. I want to say that again. I believe God has more for each of us, me and you, than we are and have experience in our lives. In other words, let me restate that. I don't believe we are living to our fullest potential of what God has created and redeemed us for in our lives. He's created us for a purpose, a great purpose,
purpose, a God-given purpose. He redeemed us. In other words, He recreated us in Christ Jesus for a God-ordained purpose. <coughs> and I don't believe any of us are living to the full potential of that. I'm not saying that some of us have not tapped into that. And I'm not saying that some have tapped into a brother and others. And I'll come back to that thought in just a moment about comparing. Okay? But, but I don't believe we're all experiencing to the greatest potential God has for us. If we were, we'd be seeing a lot of different things. Now, I saw a Facebook post yesterday, and it was sad because someone asked, What do you tell a declining church? And when I read that, I'm like, why is the church declining? Because the church I read about in the book of Acts was being added to daily. was multiplying daily. So if you're not doing what they did, if you're not preaching what they preach, then what are you doing? Okay? Because... Jesus commissioned us to go preach that the kingdom of God is here. Jesus commissioned us to go make disciples of all nations. Jesus commissioned us to go preach the good news, the gospel, that is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus commissioned us to go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely we receive, freely forgive. So if your church is declining, I'm going to ask you, how many people have you been seeing healed? How many people are you seeing saved? How many people are you seeing filled with the Holy Spirit? How many miracles are you seeing? How many people are you seeing raised from the dead? If your answer to any of those or all of those is zero, then I have to question what you're believing and what you're teaching. Because that's not what God told us to preach and do. Jesus told us, you go heal the sick. But you're like, Pastor, I can't heal anybody. Yes, you can. If you're born again, you're not you anymore. You were crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. I can, I can spend a whole hour talking about that. If you, if you know who you are, if you know who God is, you would be doing church a lot different. You start raising some people from the dead. <coughs> you start seeing some blind eyes and deaf ears open. You'll have all the revival you can, you can, you can muster. Okay? We should be preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. God is big. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's going on in different circumstances. And Jesus demonstrated that it didn't depend on the weather. It didn't depend on the government. Both the religious leaders are also the Roman Empire. Jesus was not limited to do exploits. The only thing that he was limited is when they limited God. See, the book of Hebrews... Considering the same context, the writer of Hebrews, God called it rebellion. And according to the law, rebellion is witchcraft. 
we can go pretty deep with this. Limiting God is rebellion. Limiting God can be all tied all the way back down to witchcraft. And that's not where I'm going, and that might not be the intention and mindset and, and, and objective of people. But many of us are limiting God. We're complaining to God to do what he told us to do by his grace. We're limiting God. Again and again, we're limiting God. See, life is not a dress rehearsal. Life is not a practice session. We are in the game of life. It's a race. It's a war. And we need to score and we need to win now. In this game called life. See, all of us have an image of who we are and what we can do. And all of us have an image in our minds of who God is and what God can do. We need to have an image of what the Word of God says about us and what the Word of God says about Him. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament alone. Excuse <coughs> me. I'm talking about who we are in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you are going to be limiting God in your life. Because you're only going to be going through life based on the image you see you. Instead of you seeing you in Christ. And seeing Christ in you. When we have the wrong image of who God is, and we have the wrong image of who we are in Him, we will limit God. In every area of our lives. I can paint this picture a couple different ways. Maybe you have a good and healthy image about God regarding healing. But you have a poor image of God regarding prosperity and finances. You might not limit God with health and healing. But you will probably limit God with prosperity and finances. Maybe you have a healthy uh, vi uh, vision of God regarding prosperity and finances, but you have a bad image of God regarding healing and wholeness. Maybe you have a good image of God regarding uh, living a holy life, but you have a bad image of God regarding healing and finances. You might be living a very moral, clean life and not be tapping into a lot of sin. But you can limit God in your health and in your finances if you have a poor image of God in that area. So we can we can chop this up a couple different ways. I believe we need to believe the full gospel. The full testimony of Jesus Christ. It's not all about finances. It's not all about health. But it's not excluded either. It's about, it's about having our sins forgiven, yes. It's about going to heaven and not hell, yes. But if that's the only thing you believe, and that is essential that you believe that, you are limiting the Holy One of Israel regarding finances and provision and health or whatever you're limiting God in your life. Okay? I want that to sink in a little bit. 
We need to know who we are in Christ. And who, and more importantly, we need to know what God thinks about us. And what God thinks about himself. That's the image we need. I don't care what Aunt Mary says or Uncle Joe says. I want to know what God says. I'm not against Pastor so-and-so. But if Pastor so-and-so doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm going to go with the Word of God. See, many of our hopes and dreams have been shipwrecked through the years because we've limited God in those areas of our hopes and dreams. I believe we all have God-given things God has called us to do. He created us. He call, I mean, those callings and giftings were, are irrevocable according to the Word of God. There's things that God's called in your life when you were still in your mother's womb. Well, you, well, you don't understand, Pastor David, I was in an accident. My parents didn't intend to have me. Your parents may have had an accident, but God didn't have a boo-boo. God, God has never created an God and oops, where did Mary come from? You know? God's never created a dud. God has a purpose for your life. Okay? And I believe if we don't reach our full potential of knowing who we are in Christ, there are people we're supposed to reach. And there are miracles we're supposed to do. And if we don't reach our full potential, there are people that we are supposed to cross paths with who will never receive their miracles that they've been praying God for because you and I limited the Holy One of Israel. Amen or me. See, our image of God and our image of ourselves acts like a ceiling, a, a, a limit of what we can accomplish and what God can accomplish. How you view you and how you view God becomes a ceiling, a limit of how what God can accomplish and what you can accomplish in Him. If you have a small image of you, you've got a limit of what God can do in and through you. If you have a small image of God, you've got a limit of what God can do in you and beyond you. <coughs> Excuse me. If we see ourselves as no one special, we won't do anything special. You know, it says in Psalm 23, verse 7, I'm just going to read part of the verse, but it says, As a man thinks, so is he. As you think, so are you. How are you thinking? The problem is not with God. The problem is how you're thinking. Again, God's never made a dub because it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. I thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I believe one of the, the, the translations says something to the effect of an expected end. God has a grand purpose for your life. And that purpose has never changed. I don't care what you've done wrong. I don't care what, how you messed up your life. I believe God can restore you to your purpose. 
I can I can preach this. God can restore the wasted years. And when God restores, he always restores double, as if he never lost him to begin with. It says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, that he, instead of shame, he'll give you double honor. Am I excusing sin? No. I'm preaching Christ. Christ took your sin and crucified it. And the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, can make your sin that was red as scarlet as white as snow. I am not deluding sin. I am magnifying Jesus. Sin has a limit. God is not. Sin was great, but Jesus is greater. Okay? I have a very simple message this morning. And I don't even know if I'm going to go my full length this morning the way I'm going, okay? I believe we are made, created by God for greatness. <coughs> but that greatness needs to be defined because what the world calls greatness and what God's called greatness are two different greatnesses. Are you following me? Am I making sense? What the world just defines as being great and what God defines as being great are two different things. And sadly, what the church defines as being great and what God defines as being great sometimes are different. Okay? Probably sometimes the church is limited to God and what they call it, what they define as great. Okay? You know, uh, I guess I got to throw a verse in here, and let me bring some explanation to it. Actually, let me explain some things first. You know, I believe every man's work will be tried for what it is, not based on its size, but based on whether God calls us to do it or not, or it's from God. And then it says in First Corinthians three thirteen, each one's work will become clear. Well, the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. We're not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. Your works can't save you. Only the blood of Jesus can save you. Only faith in his grace can save you. It's a gift of grace. It's a gift of righteousness. It's unmerited favor. But now that you're born again and you've got, you've got your life back on track with God, you have work to do. Not to earn God's grace, but because of God's grace. God's grace will enable you to do the work that God created you to do. Not to be saved, but because you are saved. There's a big difference there. And I probably need to teach on that soon. Okay? But it's a work that I'm talking, I'm talking to the church. <coughs> And I'm not talking to those who are not saved. I'm talking to the church. Because Paul, in the Corinthians, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. He didn't write the letter to the world. He wrote the letter to the church. So I'm talking to those who are born again. And the work that you're doing, you're doing on your own strength and your own effort. Even if you're doing what God called you to do, but you're doing it in your own strength and your own effort, it's going to be tried by fire. Everything that can't be shaken will be shaken, but that which cannot be shaken will remain. Are you doing what God's called you to do? And are you doing what God's called you to do in His strength, not yours? 
Because if you're doing it in your strength, you're limiting God. And there's a fire coming, and it will, if it's not, if, it's, if you're doing it ministry or whatever you're doing in your own strength, if you're raising your family and, and maintaining your marriage and your job and your career and your finances and everything else in between in your own strength, it's going to be tried by fire. Not to ruin you, but to purify you. Okay? Everything in your life needs to be in Him we live and move and we have our being. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. With man it's impossible. With God all things are possible. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live in the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you living without Christ? Or are you living in Christ? See, every man's work will be tried for what it is. It's either of God or it's of the flesh. It's not about what size it is. It's a matter of, <coughs> excuse me, it's a matter of whose work it is. Is it your work or God's work? Not, see, now I'm going to say something here. Not everyone is called to reach the world, but everyone is called to reach their world. Your world might be very small compared to mine, or it might be a lot, a lot larger than mine. We're not all called to reach the world, but we are all called to reach our world. That our sphere of influence that God has put us in. In our family, our tribe, our country, our, our nation, our city, our community. Whatever that sphere is. And that's all different for everyone. We're all supposed to reach the people in our world. We're not all necessarily called to reach the world. There are people God's placing that will reach the masses. But God hasn't called everyone to reach the masses. At the same point in time, don't look at God. You might think, well, God hasn't called me. Well, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. I don't know. That's between you and God. And what God has called you has not been a conference call. I wasn't invited to that conference call between what God's called you to do, and you were not called to the conference call between me and what God's called me to do. It wasn't a conference call. Okay? I'm not here to judge what God's called you to do, and I'm not, you're not here to judge what God's called me to do. But I am saying that I will be judged by fire to see if it's from God or not. Because if you say, look what I have done, you know, there's so many times that people came for prayer to Andrew Womack. And they would come in prayer to say, Andrew, Excuse me, I got this illness in my life or this situation in my life. This is what I've done. I've prayed about this. I've done 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 this. What's the problem? I've done everything I know to do. What's the problem? And he said, you just answered your own question. Because everything you just said, you said about everything I've done. I did this. I did that. I did this. And I did that. Nowhere in the equation was anything that God did. None of it was faith in God. All of it was faith in you. I'm using my own words right now. Either we're going to do the thing that some of us are doing the right thing, what God's called us to do, but we're doing it in our own strength and we're limiting God. Instead of humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord that He may lift us up. 
And some of us are sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. We're aiming at nothing and we're hitting it every time. Okay? I believe there's more to life than just earning a living, having a family, growing old, and going to be with Jesus. I want to say that again. I think there's more to life than just earning a living, having a family, growing old, and going to be with Jesus. Much of what I just described is what most people would call the American dream. But if that's your only if, if that's your only goal in life, is to earn a living, have a family, grow old, and, and be with Jesus, you are limiting God by far. That is a sorry goal in life. There's nothing wrong with earning a living. There's nothing wrong with having a family. There's nothing wrong with growing old. And there's definitely nothing wrong with going to be with Jesus. But there's much more to life. There's much more purpose to life than those four things put together. Okay? Because that, everything I described there, that's a very self-centered, selfish life. Because it's all about you. Well, I'm not I care about my kids. Yes, I get that. But so that I care about my kids is so that you look good. It's not all that, but anyway, I gotta get off that trip now. There's more to life than just earning a living, having a family growing old, and going to be with Jesus. We are called to make a difference. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the children of the living God. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus to reign on the earth, according to Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. We're called to make a difference. We might not be called to make a difference in the world, but we're called to make a difference in our world, in our community, in our families and friends, or where, where God has placed us. You know, when we talk about limiting God, I believe one of the greatest ways that we limit God and what God can do is by comparing ourselves among ourselves. Paul said this in Corinthians uh, uh, 10, 2, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, for we dare not class our pass ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When you spend your time comparing yourselves among yourselves, you're not wise. You're living God. I'm not comparing myself with you. I need to compare myself with the Word of God. I need to compare myself with what God's calling me to do. Not you. I'm not competing with you. You don't have my calling. You're not competing with me. You don't have my calling. Okay? Compete, measuring ourselves by among ourselves and comparing ourselves among ourselves, it, it's just not wise. It's foolish. The opposite of wise is foolish. And we limit God when we compare ourselves among ourselves. In the church, in the home, in the workplace, wherever that might be. Can we inspire one another? Absolutely. Am I inspired by Paul? Yes. Am I inspired by some of you? Yes. I hope I'm inspiring some of you. Okay? 
But we're not judging things according to the flesh. We're judging things according to the Word of God. See, in context here, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in context here, Paul's rebuked the Corinthians for judging him, Paul, based on outward things. They were judging Paul on his stature. He was a, small, he was a short guy. On his speech, he was not an eloquent speech. And some of us have a hard time grasping that because we've seen the letters of Paul. Okay? They, in other words, they, he rebuked them for judging him on the wrong standards. Standards that were not important. Paul was short. He was not eloquent. eloquent. Excuse me, let me get this fixed here real quick. One second, just trying to get back on the screen here. Okay, there we go. Okay, apologize for that. See, Paul was short, and according to his own words, he was not eloquent. But Paul, and he was also the persecutor of the church in his past, a murderer. But he took the weapons of God, changed the world, and 2,000 years later, you and I are still benefiting from his teachings. Paul had a lot of excuses not to be in the ministry that he is because of his past, because of his stature, because of uh, his not, not being eloquent. But he took the weapons of God and he changed the world. Despite his size, his past, and, and the failures, whatnot. I believe God's called us to all of us to make have a, a significant contribution among our family, our friends, and our sphere of influence. Now I believe that we will all be greeted in heaven by those who contributed to our eternal success. First of all, we receive Jesus Christ and have eternal life. I, in other words, I, I believe people in heaven will thank you in eternity for bringing people to Jesus and, and, and sowing things that of eternal value in their lives. And for example, it says in Luke 69, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by an unrighteous man that you may fail, that they may receive to you an everlasting help. I don't have time to develop this right now, but I believe that there will be people who will receive us in their everlasting help. I believe people will be thanking us in heaven for sowing things of eternal value in their lives. More importantly, that they live the products of Christ. Or they sowed money into a ministry that that ministry was able to bring us to Christ. I think people will be in heaven thanking us for our contribution for that. In other words, we can take we can take the limits off of God and allow God to um, 
to use, to use our finances, to use our resources for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Sorry, having some technical challenges. I want to keep the bounce me off this morning. Okay, let's move over. So we're talking about taking the limits off God. You know, one thing, when we're talking about taking the limits off God, you can't see anything on the outside if you haven't first seen it on the inside. We'll talk about that for a minute. You can't see, I want to say that again, you can't see anything on the outside. You can't see something manifested on the outside if you don't first see it on the inside. See, on the inside, you need to see God doing exploits in your marriage, in your healing, in your prosperity, in your finances. By meditating on the Word of God, you can allow God to be God in your marriage, in your relationships, in your healing, in your body, your health, in your, your prosperity, in your finances, in your business. By allowing God to be God in those areas of your life. By meditating on His Word. And see, when you meditate on God's Word, you can allow God to paint a picture for your marriage. You can allow God to paint a picture regarding your finances. You can paint, let God paint a picture on you, how God's going to use you in your ministry, in your body, in your health, or whatever. You allow the Word of God to paint a picture in your, your, your heart and your mind of how, how God sees your whole in your, in your, in your physically, how God sees your whole financially, how God sees your whole relationally. You allow God to paint a picture, not society, not your own mind, not the world, not religion. And when you paint a picture of God for your marriage, when you paint a picture of God for your finances, when you allow God to paint a picture of God in every area of your life for ministry, and then <coughs> going back to this verse, uh, I haven't got there yet, but as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, as we begin to paint a picture, as we begin to think in our heart how God wants to our marriage to be, how God wants our finances to be, how God wants our health to be, how God wants our ministry to be, how God wants a lot of things in our life to be. We can allow God and His Word to paint a picture. See, I want to know what God, the image God has for my life, my marriage, and my finances, and my ministry, and my life. Every area of my life. See, when you allow the Word of God to paint a picture until you begin to think in your heart how, how your life is going to live, the manifestation of that can be a self-fulfilling self prophecy. When you begin to think right based on the Word of God, based on allowing God to paint that picture in your mind and your heart, you can think right and you can start seeing the manifestation of that. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Why? Because you're allowing God to dictate the way that you think. And the way that you think is the way, the direction your life is going to go. Your life is going to, your life is going in proportion to the way that you think. Your most dominant thought. You might not agree with that, you might not think that, but I'm going with God, and God will be true and every man a liar. Your life today is the way you've been seeing it. I know Job. 
In the book of Job, it says that Job says, From day that I fear, most has happened to me. A lot of things that Job ever feared happened to him. Why? He thought about it. He meditated on it. I don't know to what extent, but out of his own mouth, he, he said that he feared it. Most of you, you worry like crazy, and the things that you worry about keep happening. Why? Because you keep thinking it. Worrying is thinking. It's meditating on it. Most of your worrying is a self-fulfilling prophecy to the negative. How do you feed your faith? The Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. You'll birth faith, and you'll see that faith come into action. The woman with the issue of blood, she saw herself touching the hem of his garment. She thought it. She did it. And it happened. How many times did Jesus heal someone and say, let it be done according to your faith? See, this goes back with my last message I was talking about. Everything is a seed. Seed and harvest. Everything you think is a seed. Where do you get that thought? Either the word of God, or your own imagination, or the imagination of the world, Facebook, or, or whatever you get it. A dream in the night, Satan, enemy, your own flesh, your friends, your family, society. Okay? Those thoughts are a seed. And if you don't like your harvest, you need to change your seed. You need to change the way you think. I want to think like God thinks. And I want to have the harvest God wants in my life. And you limit God because you're thinking wrong. You want, you want something else, but you're thinking you have a different seed in your soil. You might want prosperity. You might want wholeness. You might want a sound life. You might want a good marriage, but you're not thinking that. You have a different seed in your soil. You might want corn, but you're planting tomatoes. You can't have tomatoes until you plant tomatoes. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Let me also let me switch gears a little bit here. We take the comfort in passing the blame on things. I apologize again for having difficulties this morning. Something keeps bumping me off, and I'm not sure what it is, but we'll keep knacking at it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I wish we could, we, you know, we take, we take comfort in passing the blame on things, both in the church and in the world. We blame it on the lack of education. We blame it on the lack of finances. We blame it on our spouse. We blame it on our kids. We blame it on the government. We blame it on our color of our skin, our race. We blame it on our gender. We blame it on our age. We blame it on our history, whether we were abused or whatever the case might be, bullied, whatever it might be. But those are all external things. Those things are not 
Those things should not be controlling our lives. Our finances, our spouse, our kids, society, our government. It's not our Lord. Jesus is Lord. And all those things can change. All those things must bow to the finished work of the cross. I'm not submitting to those things as my Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, finances are good. They're, actually, finances are neutral. They're neither bad or good. They're a tool. I'm not serving money. Money is serving me. I'm not serving my body. My body is serving me. My government should be serving me. If they're trying to dictate over me, then they're going to have to bow to the finished work of the cross. There might be some fights and battles with that, and I don't have time to go into all that right now. Okay? But, I mean, look at the days of, of Jesus and the days of Paul in the early church. They had the oppression of the Roman government. They had the oppression of the religious leaders. And sometimes there was a, a, a battle and, 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 and a, um, an issue. But Paul, Jesus, the early church changed the world upside down for Christ, despite all that oppression. Despite all that dictatorship. Despite all that communism that was going on. Okay. Jesus is our Lord. And when we when we make excuses and blame our education, our finances, our spouse, our kids, our dog, everything else in between, we limit God. Because Jesus is our Lord. He is our King. He is our Commander-in-Chief. He is our Lord. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. Paul said to Timothy, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Stir it up. That's what I'm trying to get this morning, as I'm charging this morning, that we need to stir up. We need to stop limiting God. We need to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of us. Jude said it this way, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. If you're not spirit-filled, you need to get spirit-filled. And we can talk about that. We have stuff on our website that will lead you to that. And you can reach out if you have questions about that. But we need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're not limited. The world may say that we are. Our own minds may say that we are. Our own families may say that we are. Okay? But we know that we're not based on the Word of God. Daniel was not limited even though he was in captivity. Joseph was not limited even though he was a prisoner. It was sold on the trade block. Stir yourselves up. If you don't stir yourselves up, you'll settle to the bottom. You ever have something? A jar? Some type of sauce? And all the stuff settles to the bottom. You need to stir it up. Why do you shake it up? Because you want eat all the good stuff settles to the bottom. If you don't stir it up, you're, you'll settle to the bottom. You need to stir yourselves up in your mouth. 
Most Holy Spirit. You need to stir up the gift of God that's in you. It says in the Psalm 108, verse 2, Awake the heart. I will awaken the dawn. It echoes it in Psalm 57. My heart is steadfast. I love that word, steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise and awake my glory. Awake the heart. I will awaken the dawn. Some of you have been sleeping too long. Some of you have been spiritually sleeping too long. You've been playing the victim too long. You've been allowing different things, finances, the government, different situations, life and situations to be dominant in your life, and you've been limiting the God of Israel. You need to awaken the dawn. You need to stir it up. This is, today's message is just a prelude of where we're going to be going to in the next few weeks. Okay? But it's time to waken it up. It's time to, to get out of your slumber. The day is here. Okay? See, there's a lot of energy to swim upstream. It takes a lot of energy to swim upstream. It's easy to quit. It's easy to be get lazy. It's easy to hold off and making changes. We have a purpose, and we need to live like we have a purpose. We need to strive forward to something bigger than ourselves. Because God is bigger than ourselves. And we are not ourselves anymore. We've been crucified with Christ. Something needs to drive you. The Spirit of God needs to drive you. The Spirit of God needs to awaken your heart and awaken the dawn. We've, we've been sleeping too long, church. We need to awaken the dawn. We need, we need a great awakening. Okay? We, if you will catch the fire of God, the world will come and watch you burn. Because everyone loves a fire. It captivates people. People will be drawn when they see the fire of God in your life. Step out into your purpose. Step out into your destiny. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something new. Okay? Some of you have been shooting at nothing for too long, and you've been hitting it every time. Do something as you do nothing. Get out of the boat like Peter. <coughs> Begin to walk in the water. Begin to calm the storms in the sea. You'll drown. Stop limiting God in your finances, in your health, in society, in your village, wherever you might be. You know, I I see a lot of murmuring, complaining on Facebook from the church, and it needs to stop. And we are limiting God. We need to awaken the dawn. We need to know who we are in Christ, and we need to do something about it. Is the world God mad? Yes. Jesus and all apostles said. Do we need to fight back? In some ways, yes. Okay? So in some ways, we need to be a patriot. In some ways, we need to speak up. And I'm not, I'm not against that and, 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 and whatnot. But we are also not of this world. Jesus redeemed us by blood, his blood, and we are to reign as kings and priests on the earth. And we are to be occupied until Jesus comes. We're supposed to be preaching that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, preaching the gospel, and seeing lives change and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our calling. In season and out of season, we're supposed to be preaching the word. 
We're supposed to be seeing miracles, doing miracles in the name of Jesus. If we're not doing that, then what are we doing? We're not playing church. This is not a practice. We are being the church. We are doing church. Okay? We need to get our book. We need to stop limiting God. God is not limited by space. God's not limited by generation. God's not limited by politics. God's not limited by governments. Look at Daniel. In four different kingdoms, he allowed God to be God in his life. Look at Joseph. Look at others. You read the Old Testament, you see how God turned kingdoms upside down. He even drowned the whole kingdom and the army in the Red Sea. Look at what God can do. Stop limiting God. God is saying to you, this is what I created you for. Why are you asleep? Awaken the dawn. Awaken the dawn. Are you doing what God's called you to do? God wants to reveal to you his plan, his purpose, more than you want to know it. It says in Ephesians, therefore, I think Ephesians, yeah, do not be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You need to know what God's will is for your life. If you don't know God's will for your life, you're not spending time in the Spirit, you're not spending time in His Word, you're not spending time with God, because God wants to reveal to you more than you want it revealed. To receive that understanding, we have to remove the limits of God. And some of you have religious limits. By your traditions, you make the Word of God of no effect. Stop, don't limit God. Don't evaluate yourself by your own natural qualifications. What God is called to do is not something you are just naturally qualified for. God may use your natural gifts, but he may call you to do something you don't even have the natural gift to do it. Okay? You've got to remember, church, you are born again. You are born of God. You are born as a child of God. And it says, I can do all things... Through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you need to plaster this everywhere you can see it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't do all things without Christ. It doesn't say I can do all things. It says no, I can do all things through Christ. The operative word, the person is Christ who strengthens me. If you don't do it through Christ, you are limiting God. But if you have Christ, you can do all and all things through Christ. If you say you can do some things through Christ. If you say I can do some things through Christ, because, but I can't do all things because of my government. You're limiting God. If you say I can't do all things because of my finances. You're limiting God. Because of my health. Maybe you say I'm too old. Maybe you say you're too young. You're limiting God. Caleb was 80 and he said he did more than 80 when he was 40. Don't limit God. Abraham had a child for the first time when he was a hundred. Okay? Don't limit God. We are the church of the living God. It says in Psalm 37, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you, he will conceive in you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he, not you, shall bring it to pass. Well, I don't even know what the desire God has for my life. Then you need to start delighting in Him. Delight. Delight. Get in His presence. 
Get in his word. Spend time with the Spirit. Delight yourself more, and he will give you desires of your heart. If you're delighting in God, then I'm going to ask you another question. What do you want? What do you want to do? If money was no option, if there was no restraint, what do you want to do? Because if you delight in God, God's the one that gave you that desire. And as you commit your way to him with that desire, trust him with that desire, he will bring that desire to pass. That's how we started this church. Almost 10 years ago, we had no money. We were homeless. We had nothing. And God turned our lives around financially, mar uh, maritally, in so many different ways. He gave us this verse. And we began to commit our way to him, trust him, and he brought the pass. Along the way, we've had some forks along the road. We have a fork in the road now. And we are, again, once again, going to delight ourselves in Him, commit ourselves to Him, and He, and trust Him, and He will bring it to pass. We're not going to limit God. We're not going to limit God. What do you want, what do you want to do without limits? See, money should not be a factor. Money should not be a factor. Paul, uh, Paul, one more time, and they're trying to get this up there one more time. I'm wrapping up and closing this message out here. What do you want? What do you want God to do? See, money should not be a factor. Your age should not be a factor. Your natural ability should not be a factor. The government should not be a factor. Nothing natural should be a factor. What do you want? What do you want God to do? What would make you feel like you're really making a difference? Are you truly delighting in Him? Because He'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're delighting Him, the desires that you have in your heart came from God. See, if you're delighting in God, your desires are not going to be evil and wicked. Why? Because everything's a seed. Your delighting in God is a seed. And the harvest can't be evil. We're just going to ignore the screen for now. Okay, I'm almost done. Okay. Everything's a seed. If you don't like your harvest, change your seed. Where do you start? Start delighting in Him. And the seed will be conceived in your heart. And as you commit yourself to him, trust him, that's watering that seed, that's fertilizing that seed. He will bring it to pass. You will see a harvest. Go for it. Go and do it. Well, the thing I put in my heart, Dave, is, is, is huge. Well, you might not get there overnight. But start, start untethering from the dock. And start taking a step in that direction. Step by step, he'll lead you. He'll guide you. Step by step. And before you know it, you're moving closer into your purpose that God has for you.
Nobody wants to be left with no gas left in the tank. But God can fill your tank as you go. But you need to start going. You need to start committing your way and trusting Him. My charge to you this morning is to reach deep, to reach far and deep into God's grace. So you know what God's called you to do, and you can do what God's called you to do without limiting God. I'm going to close with two verses that are not going to be on the screen because we're having challenges with the technology this morning. So I'm just going to read it from my computer here. Um, First one is from Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. It says, The Lord will command a blessing on you and your storehouses and all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I want to read that again. Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. The Lord will command his the blessing on you and in your storehouses. You and your finances. And in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. It also says this in Psalm 90, verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God wants to establish the work of your hands. But you need your hands need to be established in something. Your hands need to be doing something. Well, what am I supposed to be doing? Delight yourself in the Lord, you'll find out. But if you are doing what God's called you to do, and you're allowing Him to be Lord and God in your life, He will command His blessing on you and your storehouses. He will command His blessing on you and everything that you touch, everything that you do, everywhere that your feet will tread. God has blessed it. Well, how do you know, Dave? Because God said it. I don't care what you say, if it doesn't line up with God, what God said. God said it, I'm going to believe it, and that settles it. Stop, don't question God. That's not fair. God said it. Well, how's it going to happen? Some of these things are not for you to know. Well, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to do delight in Him. You're supposed to commit your way to Him. You're supposed to trust Him. All that stuff you did yourself. What does a farmer do? Plant the seed? Water the seed? And he doesn't know how God brings increase. Keep it as simple as the sower of the seed. Your, your job is just to plant the seed and cultivate that seed. God does the rest. If God is specific and says, go here, there was a time where God told Saul where to go find his donkeys. There was a time when God told different people to go to a specific place. He didn't even give them the name of the street. Okay? If God tells you to go do something, well, you can go do it. Well, what, I keep asking God what he wants, wants me, what he wants me to do, but he hasn't said anything. Do the last thing he told you to do. Maybe he's not telling you something to do something because he already told you to do something, and it hasn't changed. Do the last thing God told you to do. 
and do it. Don't limit God. Trust God. Commit your way to Him. Trust in Him and He, not you, will bring it to pass. Church, I'm really trying to charge you and myself. There have been areas in my own life I've been limiting God, even recently. And I'm charging both of us to don't limit God. Don't test Him. Don't tempt Him in that way. Don't rebel against Him in that way. Don't limit the God of Israel. Well, I'm done about 10 minutes early. And so, but that's what I got today. And so that's where I'm going to leave it. And we'll come back next week and we'll, be, we'll, we'll go over this thought. Okay? I don't know if I'm going to go a full month with this message. I don't have a lot so far to say. Um, but we'll see where God goes with this. Okay? I have a lot of things to say about a lot of things. But uh, until he gives me uh, this message, so, you know, I'm just going to share what the guy gives me. If not, we'll move on uh, to something else that he has given me. So, anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.